Hello and welcome to another episode of the show. In today's episode, I do something a little bit different. I interview one of my clients who shares her own health journey and fatigue experience journey and shares a little bit about the work that we did together over the past year. Samira is a women's health advocate, naturopathic herbalist, and she's also a brand and communications consultant. She shares her journey as a single mom, having breast cancer twice, moving countries, raising her two daughters, and experiencing chronic fatigue, mold, parasites, and recovering from a lot of the medical trauma that she experienced through her cancer treatment. Samira speaks beautifully from the heart with many beautiful lessons and words of wisdom to those who are experiencing their own health journey and their own challenges as they navigate their health and all the other things that life can throw at us. So I really hope you will enjoy listening to this episode. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are following us and don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast player. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. I'm here today with a very special guest who is Samira Siddiqui. And Samira is um, one of my past clients. We are actually still working together in a somatic capacity still, but I wanted to invite her on the show today just to um, share her story with you. It's been such a pleasure working with you, Samira, and I feel that you have a story that will inspire many people for various different reasons. So um, on that note, did you want to just start off by maybe just introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about who you are? Yeah. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I My name is Samira, and I think we actually met long before I started working with you at, at a functional medicine conference. So I have a wellness background. I trained as a naturopathic herbalist in London. I'm living now in Singapore. Um, and I graduated in 2014. And I think I first met you maybe 2013 or 2012. And so I have a wellness background as a herbalist. And then on top of that, I also work in brand and communication strategy. So that's sort of my my bread and butter. Yeah. And in terms of your story, I know but we're this this little piece. We've been working together quite closely since October last year. We're recording this in October 2023. So it's been about a year that we've been sort of walking alongside each other in, in your health path. But there's so much that came before that. And so I wonder um, if you'd like to share and you can take as much time as you'd like to, to share this part, because I think it's really like it's really nice sometimes to hear where people have come from and the challenges they've experienced along the way. But um, maybe just share a little bit about how you arrived at the point where you reached out to me in October last year and you know, the things that came before that. Yeah, so my life is very much split into BC, AC and BC. So in my case, the AC is after cancer and the BC is before cancer. So in 2016, April 2016, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. Um, and that's a form of breast cancer that is not hormone dependent. So they haven't quite figured out what makes that cancer grow, that, that specific type of breast cancer grow. But it's usually known to be pretty aggressive and, and chemo resistant. So I was 
grade, it was a grade three triple negative. So that's sort of pretty aggressive form of breast cancer. Luckily for me, it hadn't really spread into my lymph nodes. So I found it doing a breast examination myself. And it was hard because I had been married for 10 years before that. And January 2016, my husband and I decided to separate. And we had, my girls were four and seven at the time. So just four months after our separation, I found out that I had breast cancer and he wasn't really able to support me through it. So it was very much managing that and being a single mom to two little girls when the family had just split apart. So I had eight rounds of chemotherapy and a mastectomy and then sort of, yeah, carried on with life. Um, felt that I'd been given another another shot, another sort of like, okay, you've got through this and, and what are you going to do? What are you going to contribute to the world? I think a lot of people who've been diagnosed see it as a wake-up call and it was for me very much. And I went on to found, co-found a business in London. So jumped straight from really intense cancer treatment, divorce, single bombing two children, you know, by, I finished all of like treatment and everything by September, 2016. And by January already, I had found my co-founder and we were starting this business. Looking back now, <laughs> it's like, whoa, maybe you should have taken a little bit more time to recover. But I think for me, yeah, I just was so hard for me to stay still and present that I just kept going and kept going, you know, and not really taking the time to really process what had happened. So jumped into this business that was about supporting women in their in their work and their well-being. And um, we found a space, we launched the business. It was extremely stressful. You know, neither of us had operational experience. And so suddenly we were running an actual physical space with members and customers. And there was this huge learning curve. And then COVID happened and we had to figure out how do we pivot this business onto a digital space. And then I started feeling really tired and run down, really fatigued, really burnt out. And I just kept getting these messages going, you need to get out of this. You need something's not right. You can't continue like this. And I was in the midst of figuring out whether or not to leave the business when I had a recurrence of the breast cancer. So October 2020, I felt a pain in the breast that had the mastectomy and the reconstruction. And when I reached down to feel it, there was a tumor growing right near the implant. So it was, it came back in a leftover breast cell because they can't get all the breast cells out after a mastectomy. So that was another roller coaster of shock. And then going straight into treatment again, chemotherapy, surgery, and this time radiation as well. And I had to leave the business and just let it go because it wasn't serving my health. And then I moved back to Singapore, leaving London after 11 years. And when I got back, you know, I had had COVID as well right after treatment. And it was just, I was in bad shape, you know, and I had the nutritional knowledge and the herbal knowledge and some functional medicine knowledge to, to try and support myself, which I had been doing. And I'd been working with other practitioners. But when I got back to Singapore, it was just this sort of downward slide and I couldn't, you know, I just could not get functional, you know, like long weeks of fatigue, you know, a lot of brain fog that was really terrible and having just very, very strange sensations that would just fuel my anxiety, you know, and send me down a really, really anxious spiral. And 
I had reached the point where I couldn't take it any further, even with the knowledge that I had, and something wasn't being looked at and something wasn't being addressed. And, and I'd been following you for a while. And yeah, and so that that sort of led me to you. And I remember when 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 we first started working together, it was almost like you were doing everything as well. You had your sauna, you had your cold plunges, and you also do a lot of your own meditation. You have a very strong meditation practice and you had a whole, you sent me like a P, an Excel spreadsheet with all the supplements that you had bought. Some of them you, some of them are okay. Some of them you're reacting to. You had really kind of thrown so much at it yourself. And I'm curious with the knowledge you had, even before we started working together, were there things that were very helpful to you? I think for me, yeah, I had everything. The sauna, the cold plunges, the breath work, the meditation, the diet. For, for me, I think the last two years, it's really the meditation that before the sabbatic work I've done with you, it was really the meditation that I think was hugely beneficial because I have medical trauma, very deep medical trauma from these eight years journeying with cancer. And, you know, even before that in the household that I grew up in, you know, my father's a high functioning alcoholic. And so there was always, there was always chaos or tension. And, you know, you're always, the nervous system, my nervous system was always on edge. And I think always sort of had this underlying anxiety that was always at play. And I think the meditation was just huge for me because it, it allowed me to understand that we're not our thoughts. And it gave me a really important tool and the space between my thoughts so that at least kind of shifted my nervous system a little bit out of that complete autopilot pathway that it was on or that it had been on probably since I was like two or three. So that was one aspect that was huge, working with the mind, understanding the mind and giving not so much space to your thoughts, making it less sticky, less glue-like, just to give you more time and more space to be able to respond and not believe every single thing that your mind is throwing up. So that's been really, really helpful. Absolutely. Then we started working together and we worked both on the what I would call the physiological or the biological side. So more of like the physical components of health, like what are you going to eat and what supplements are you going to take and how often should you sauna, et cetera, et cetera. And then we also worked on the somatic side of things. I was wondering if you could maybe just say a little bit about both and for how you found each of those components and how you found doing both together as well. I think physiologically, you know, what was really, really helpful was, you know, the idea, because I don't know if you have this with a lot of your clients, but, you know, it's just, I'm in constant fixing mode, right? Like, I need to fix this and something, what supplement's good for this and what supplement's good for that. And then I add, 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 add until, you know, I have no idea what I'm focusing on, but it's also just my personality of needing to do more and pairing is something that's so counterintuitive and something that I always resisted. So I think, you know, physiologically, that approach of pairing back, how do we actually do less? How do we actually, even if you think you're doing a lot of good, sometimes, you know, you're not actually. Pairing back is is really the right approach. So I think, you know, lessening, reviewing the supplements and lessening them. And I think I was a case of doing thinking more is better. And I think the biggest lesson I've I've learned in the last year is that more is not better, not necessarily better. And, you know, it's about doing less and going back to the foundations. And so that was what 
was really transformative for me in the last year. So fewer supplements and focusing on what's really important and also just the parasites, right? My parasite, my, my parasite story, but I don't, because I know, you know, that you talk a lot about that or you list that as one of the things that, you know, underlying, underlying factors at work, like mold and parasites and, you know, environmental toxins and things that stress and things that might be at work that are causing our deeper issues, right? Our deeper imbalances that that cause to, for us to be where we are. So I think definitely the parasite cleanse was very effective and successful, um, and something that I had never, never really um, explored as much as when I was working with you. And no one ever picked it up as well in the same way. And I'm curious if you wanted to share a little bit more about that because it's it's such a fun thing to talk about. I don't want to gross out the community. It's just such a wild story, but okay. So, I mean, I had known that I had some parasites because I had a stool test in 2016, but it was sort of low levels and, you know, I didn't really look at addressing it. I'll say, if you don't mind me just jumping in, as you also had, I think, high isinophils in your blood work. And we knew that there was also like a mold issue in your home and we were working on that. So that could also be a cause of that. But another reason why people would see high sinophils was is, is parasitic infections and you were having some histamine reactions as well. So there were quite a few clues there. Yeah. And that's right. And and so yeah, so you had you know, you had me do the, the parasite cleanse and um do you wanna talk about the dream and everything or just the fact that you just share? Okay. I mean it was it's um and this is where the physiological and somatic work come together for me, I think, in my experience of the parasite cleanse, because we had been doing the somatic work that re-established the connection between my mind and my body. And I think from early trauma and the medical trauma from the cancer, you know, this dissociative elements that I, I guess I always have that tendency to just freeze or check out. See it, yeah. Yeah. And lost that mind-body intuition connection wisdom because it was it was too scary to really be in my body for such a long time and you know and 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 kind of living with the reality of cancer recurring at any time for someone who doesn't feel their body is safe it's a really challenging position to be in every day because it's almost like are my cells going to turn against me so creating that safety through the somatic work was so important for that mind body connection and that feeling of safety that I think the combination of the two with the parasitic, anti-parasitic herbs and supplements, but with the somatic work, I think made the cleanse work, you know? So on the last day of the cleanse, the night before, you know, I had this dream and I don't usually dream, but I had this dream and, and I kind of came face to face with this worm and the worm and I had a moment and it was almost like, I can't describe it. It was really bizarre. And then the next morning I went to the toilet and actually did expel quite a few sizable worms. Uh, and that was the first time that, you know, I've ever had parasite cleanse work. And I wonder whether because of the somatic work, there was also this sense of intuitively that, you know, I was ready to let them go. The body was ready to release. The body felt or had healed enough at, at a somatic level where it was it wasn't the right fit anymore, right? Like parasites stay because there's a there's a fit between the host and the parasite. And I think something had changed within my system that meant that it just was ready to go and be released. And I think it's that combination of the physiological, but also the somatic work that helped with the healing. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And nobody has ever reflected that back to me quite the way that you have. And I think that that's so beautifully put. And 
you know, there's, there's almost like on, if you follow many of these sort of accounts on social media, like some people will say, oh, we need, we only need to be doing somatic work or brain retraining work or nervous system work. And then other people are like, no, we need to do these physiological pieces. And I do think every case is unique and different and different people need different types of air quotes medicine. But just, I love that beautiful sense of harmony that you've reflected on between like how that they were both sort of um, supporting each other in your sort of process. And so on that note, you mentioned about the somatic side of things. Did you want to talk a little bit more about that? Because I know for people who've maybe never experienced it before, it's like, what is this? Like, oh, like, what are you actually even talking about? So I'd love to kind of hear kind of your, as like a client, your sort of take that whole process. Yes. I mean, amongst my friends, I'm known as like, you know, wellness person who's tried it all, right? So, you know, I have my own son. I mean, yeah, it's it's something, it's a lifestyle for me. It's important to me. And um, and so, that you know, I've been talking about somatic experiencing and I've got a somatic practitioner I'm working with and everyone's like, what is that? What do you do? And I'm like, well, I kind of, you know, she's on the screen and, and we look at each other and, and they're like, and then what? And then I say, well, and then, then we wait. Wait for what? I say, wait for the body to express itself. And then I describe it. And they say, and then what? I was like, well, then we wait. Wait for more things to emerge. So I think everyone was sort of looking at me like, what? How does this work? And I think it's very hard to explain. You know, it's, it's very difficult to explain to people somatic experiencing and therapy, I think it requires a high level of trust between the client and the practitioner because it's a very vulnerable space to be when you are just allowing the body to express and not... Also to be so witnessed in an expression. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something, yeah, in many ways, like you've seen so much of me in such an intimate way, you know, in terms of what I'm experiencing, my sensations, my movement even, there's almost no mask, right? Because the body is the one that's that's expressing itself. And it's what I love about the work is that it meets you where you're at. It's It's always the right place. It's never too much or too little. You know, it's where you need to be. And I really love that. And the impact of it is very much in a similar way to my meditation practice in that you notice the incremental improvement over time. And when real life happens, you're able to notice the massive difference in how your nervous system has related to whatever external incident has happened. And so you can see capacity growing more and more and more as time goes by. And because I have regular PET scans, I have regular doctor visits, like I have plenty on it, you know, very often to test my my nervous system capacity and, you know, my journey. So that's been a real joy to see. The the rubber band is just a lot more flexible and things that would have sent me into spirals of anxiety or it just doesn't happen as much anymore. And I can also hold very, very strong sensations in the body without freaking out, you know, because when I'm in when my trauma is triggered, when I'm at the doctors waiting for PET scan results, like it can be intense, like heart rate, sweating, you know, tunnel vision, all very, very strong. But what's changed is that I can be in an expansive place, even with all of this happening. So it's an and I feel this and I am safe. And that's been a real gift 
There was something else I remember you said on one of our calls was also just a little bit more access to joy as well. Yes, it's in there. And I think that's the, you know, and it's such an interesting journey to explore the nervous system and feel. And we all have, it's like fingerprints. We all have different experiences of what the different states feel for, feel like to us. And yeah, and just getting to know your body and your mind and how it all works together is really, really a rewarding journey to be on. wonder if it would be okay just to talk about your experience with the work I remember when we first started, like your your body was very responsive in our sessions. Like it was like ready to go, I would say. Like it's like, yeah, I want to process whatever is going on here. But we found working together that even though in the moment you could tolerate a lot of work, you were still having some crashes after our sessions. And we worked out that even though in the moment you were okay, later on, it was actually just too much for your system to handle at any point in time. And so we actually ended up, instead of doing like the tempo I would usually do with a client, which is like every other week, we ended up doing shorter sessions, but on a weekly basis, because we thought that we worked out that that was better for your system. And I thought that was just maybe something important to highlight just because, just to highlight that every system is different and every system has a different capacity. And what happened over time was that we were able to start to do more in a session and then you didn't have those post-session crashes. So I wonder if you wanted to reflect on that or maybe I've said it all already. Yeah, I think it's important to maintain curiosity when you're going through the sympathetic journey and to not be shy to get in touch with who you're working with. Like in my case, it was with you because, you know, we had our session and then my crash happened not the day after, but, you know, the day after the session, right? And I was sort of in bed for three days and I was feeling, you know, all of these weird sort of like rushy feelings and just felt odd, you know? And yeah, it's important to, I'm glad I got in touch with you and you could sort of say, oh, okay, this is what's actually happening. And yeah, every nervous system is different. It's, I mean, I've known, I think I've been in denial about how sensitive my nervous system is as well. Like, it's part of that survival instinct to just always keep going and not, it's like the most extreme form of self-protection. And I think that makes sense then because sometimes it's the most sensitive people that have that as well. So that was really insightful, I think, for us to do the shorter sessions. And it was interesting that it was a delayed reaction as well. And I'm not quite sure why. Maybe you know, was it because the defenses are so strong or the mind-body connection wasn't quite like in flow yet? I don't know. When we're working with the, I would call in somatic experience, we would call this a syndromal pattern. So when somebody's nervous system has been in these sort of compensatory holding mechanisms of self-protection for so long, it's like you're creating a lot of reorganization. You're giving the body more choice. Like what you said is like we identified very, very early on your tendency is to go to dissociate or to go into freeze, probably as a result of all the medical trauma you had in the past and maybe some of the trauma you experienced in the BC stage of your life as well. And, uh, you know, when, when the body is kind of, I guess, being held so tightly in in a pattern which is dysfunctional, but also functional because it is functioning to keep you safe when we're starting to unpick that things can get worse before they feel better and we just have to be very sensitive and how we shift things so the shift isn't too much and 
you know, usually anything between 24 to 72 hours post-session, there may be things which start to show up as a consequence. And that's kind of, as you say, we need to try and see and notice how your system responds and then find the right kind of amount that works for you. And then that also changes over time. So we're sort of working in this wonderful, complicated landscape of things which are shifting all the time. And and that's, you know, as you said, you have to have a little bit of trust, trust in your body that it's working itself out and also trust in the person supporting you so that you don't freak out and run away and come back, which I'm glad you didn't at the time. And there was one more thing I wanted to say there, but now I've gone a little bit blank. Oh, it was about the sensitivity. It's not often we think of being sensitive as a bad thing, but in your case, because you were sensitive, you only needed a tiny little dose to really respond very, very beautifully. Yeah, I think it was... It's just so helpful because I know I was having these vortexes of anxiety or you gave me that language. And I think it's so empowering to have that language when you understand what's happening energetically with the nervous system and the pulls of anxiety. And when you recognize that for what it is, then you're able to be with it, you know, much, much better and not get swept away with these very strong sensations and yeah, I was glad my nervous system was throwing a lot up because it was it gave me a lot of practice to sort of like, um, which is fantastic, which is what I need with my journey with cancer. I, I, it's so it's such an important tool for me because it's not, you know, it's not always going to be there somewhere, you know, sort of doctor's appointments and scans. And so having that awareness is, is really golden. I think you kind of have already answered this question to a certain extent, but I was going to ask you, like, what do you believe helped the most in this journey? And it sounds like from what you've already reflected on was the somatic work. It was combining the somatic work with some of the physiological things and pairing back the the fixer in you with the less is more approach. But is there anything else um, from the journey that was of any significance? Nothing's coming to mind. Like, I think for me, the somatic work is really groundbreaking, you know, but it's not a cure-all, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm still in my patterns, you know, sometimes. And I think what I'm learning is, you know, if I have, if I am a, a car and I'm running on empty and if someone gives me a quarter of like, fills my tank up by a quarter of fuel, like it is, you know, I still want to put the pedal down and I want to go, right? Because I'm 46. I love life. I want to be fit. I want to be I want to do exercise. I want to do all these things. And I'm still learning that if I have a quarter in my gas tank, having been, you know, with chronic fatigue and burnout and can the whole thing, I should, you know, go forward a little bit, but not put the pedal down and wait and slowly fill up my tank some more to like half, you know, kind of lost that earlier this year. Like I think March, April or like April, May, June, I was feeling so good. I had my trainer. I was going back to the gym. I was doing my weights and it was fantastic. But my nervous system was giving me signs that it was ready to, it was time to slow down. Like my heart rate, when I woke up in the morning, I would have this cortisol surge and my heart would be beating faster, you know, and all of these things and other signs were coming up as well. And I just have to love myself through the fact that I ignored them, I think, to a certain extent and have had a little bit of a setback these last few months because of that. It's not a full flare, but it's definitely a slowing down that I've had to do. And being kind to yourself when you're going through that is really, really important because it's so easy to 
have that voice again go like, oh, you've done all this work with Anna and then you pushed yourself too much and now, and it's just, it's not serving me. It's not serving, it's just making the situation worse. So yeah, I think it's so important to be kind to yourself no matter where you're at and love yourself no matter where you're at and know that you can always, always, always begin again. Like nothing is lost and every day is a new day and you can always begin again and always take that next step no matter where you're at and yeah and just be loving and be kind you know because when you're dealing with chronic fatigue it's all you want to do is be healthy and well and all you want to do is feel okay all the time and when you have those dips and when you have those crushes it's just it can be so devastating it can be so devastating and hard on the heart and you feel so hopeless but you know it's that's why I really admire like all of us, you know, everyone who is living with these conditions, the amount of like resilience and and strength to, you know, pick back up and begin again, you know, it's it's just really inspiring. Absolutely. And I hope that your words will inspire some people listening to this today. So on that note, I mean, it sounds like we kind of had a structure for the episode and I feel like we answered like the last three questions all in one there, but where, where, where are you now? You sort of said that you were doing really well and that you've had some setbacks as well. And there've been some lessons that you've learned to take forward, but um, how would you describe, I guess, think about back to October last year compared to October this year, what's different now? What is life like? I have much more confidence in my wisdom about my my body and my health, my intuition, and much more stability. And I think I mean that in an inner stability and in an inner confidence. So, you know, in April, I was going to the gym, I was starting to lift weights. And now what feels in my capacity is to do my qigong in the morning, do my pranayama, and maybe go for a walk if I'm feeling up to it, you know? So it's a huge difference between April and now. And what I notice is I'm much less devastated by it or bothered by it or anxious about it. You know, I'm much more accepting of being where I am and that being okay, regardless of what it looks like, whether it's going to the gym or not, whether it's managing to do 20 minutes of Qigong and that's it. If that's all I can do, then that's okay. And that's been really, really helpful in in having a condition like chronic fatigue. Yeah. So I don't know if it would also be helpful to highlight, because we were talking before we started recording, I think since we've been working together, there's been some mold issue in your home and it seems like there's still some ongoing work to do there. And do you think that that is also playing into some of the ups and downs that you're still experiencing? I think so. I think, you know, I think the gut is probably something that's my gut is always something that I'm going to have to look at. So I was going to actually do another parasite cleanse next month, but not right now. Not, I think I need to wait a little bit. I'm learning. See, I'm not going to pile a parasite cleanse right now. And yeah, and the mold as well. So, you know, having a lot of congestion, tightness in the chest and and I'm wondering, and I'm perimenopausal, so I know you've touched on hormones before in your content, but I think the combination of perhaps overexerting myself earlier this year, perimenopause really kicking in, you know, is altering 
maybe my system was managing the mold better and then things change now. And so different sort of flares have come up. So that's sort of ongoing and I'm waiting for allergy test results. But with the tools that you've given me, I can, you know, I've been taking my binders and the things that I need to, to detox from the mold and upping my sauna. Yeah. Was that me to talk about something else in specific? So no, that was it. I think it's just really just like highlighting to people that it's not a linear process and that there's still depending on the the complexity of the case and all the different multitude of factors that could potentially be involved that it's that it is a journey of ups and downs and it sounds like from how you've expressed it is that there's an increased capacity to ride those ups and downs and really hold yourself kindly and you know as they work themselves out yeah i think it's it is a journey it's a, it's a journey it's a roller coaster and i think when you are we live in such a quick fix society and for many of us, it's taken decades of things happening to get to the point, you know, where we feel like, okay, this is untenable and I need, I need support to work through this. And it's not going to be an overnight fix or even a year's fix. I think it, it's a journey that will continue for me. There will be the ups and downs. But what I do know that has been achieved in the last year is that awareness and stability. And that for me is really the most important foundation because without that then the roller coaster will always be so destabilizing and and it'll be even even harder to journey um so yeah anything else that you wanted to reflect on or share lessons words of wisdom probably loads i just i don't know i'm drawing up a blank right now i mean i think it's just really hard you know it's just not it's not an easy experience and i think it's it's hard to explain to people. I think it's hard to for people to understand, you know, where it's like, oh, just get an early night's sleep. And, and sort of having to explain that this is, you know, it doesn't work like that for me. It's a very, can be quite isolating and lonely. I think the only thing I can say is just you, you have to love yourself through it, all the ups and downs, because that's the most important thing to see anyone through their journey. You know, they always say that if you, sometimes our thoughts, our minds are our, our own worst enemy, never mind other people. And I think when you're journeying with something like chronic fatigue, it's a marathon, you know, and you have to think of it like you're running a marathon and you have to pace yourself and also have that resilience of mind to see you through. One of Sharon Salzberg, she's a meditation teacher, but she said it was, and I think a few people have said this before, where, you know, when you are aware of your thoughts, like, is this what you would say to your best friend? Like, how would you speak to your best friend if that was you? You know, would you, how would you relate to them? You know, what encouragement would you give? And most of the time, we don't speak to ourselves the way that we would to our best friends at all, right? We're usually our own hardest critics. So that's always something that I try to keep in mind now as well, where, yeah, I think Exactly. Like where, like, are you speaking to yourself, holding yourself, being with yourself with as much love as you would your dearest friend? On my own journey, whenever I was having like a really bad day, I would just come back to this. And I guess my tendencies when I feel uncomfortable is I would in the past push through. So I would just go almost harder on myself as a coping mechanism, which is not what you need in this type of scenario. But I would just come back to like, 
how can I hold myself even more gently today? Like that was just something I would, that keep on coming back to is how can I be even more gentle with myself today? And that was like my little mantra. So I definitely think about, I love what you said about loving, loving yourself through the journey and, you know, being, showing that kindness to yourself. I just, I know I didn't prepare you with this question, but I know like in your journey, I mean, you're raising two young girls, you're living in Singapore, you're caring for your mom. So just, you know, for those people who are um, juggling a lot of additional challenges in life, what would your kind of words of wisdom be? So I had to make peace with finding nourishment and beauty and joy in very, very simple things in life. Because like you said, I'm a single mom to two girls. They're 15 and 12 uh, now. My mom has end-stage Louis body dementia. I have a carer for her, but, you know, sort of she's in my household and I'm looking after both of them. And I'm also working part-time. And I think it it's a gift because you have to really prioritize with your time how you want to spend it and who is most important and what's most important. On the one hand, it, it can be a stressful experience juggling everything. But on the other hand, it can also, if you reframe it, it can also be a really useful gateway into prioritizing what's important to you in life. Yeah. And who you really value and how you want to spend your time. And for me now, life is, you know, I've, I've made it very, very simple for myself because of everything that's going on. And it's not, maybe it's not the most sexy or exciting or kind of like, you know, exciting life that I can say, oh, I've done this and I've done that and I've gone here and all that. But, you know, walks and, and cuddles and lying with my cat and just simple things like that that really nourish me. So in the juggling, there is an opportunity for reflection and prioritizing and building meaning. Very beautiful words. And is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up today? I've got so much to say, but nothing's coming. Try to think like, is there something for the community? Because it's been such a wonderful community. I'm trying to think, but nothing's really, yeah, nope. Nothing's coming. No more questions. Because everything you said is just perfect as it is. But thank you so much for being here today. I've just absolutely loved listening to you speak because the you speak from the heart, you know. And I think that's uh, what I've always felt as we work together is just this real sort of beauty, inner beauty and outer beauty, um, but inner beauty of just um, that very heartfelt connection with life. And I think that comes through in your words. And I really think that many people will get a lot from listening to this. So thank you so much for offering it up for everybody to experience. Thank you. I hope, you know, I hope it helps some people in your community. I really hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Samira. And I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to this today. We will see you in the next episode. All right. Thanks, Anna. Bye. Bye.